previously on the Tony Kornheiser Show. So if you watched Westerns, and I don't know that they were on opposite each other. I doubt that they were, but maybe they were. I don't remember this. If you watch CBS, you watch James Arness. You know, he was Sheriff Matt Dillon in Gunsmoke, which was the highest rated show in, in the world, Gunsmoke. And if you didn't like CBS, for whatever your reasons were, if your mother said, those people at CBS are vultures. Later in your life, <laughs> Capital One will replace them. <laughs> the Tony Kornheiser Show is on now. So every day I get an email from Columbia Country Club about the golf course conditions. Every day. And that's good. So, you know, I mean, I can't play because my leg is killing me and, and it, that doesn't get any better. And I am now looking at surgery and I understand that. And I'm going to have to schedule surgery because I don't really want to live like this. It doesn't hurt that much during the day, but at night I cannot sleep. The pain is excruciating, honestly excruciating, and there's nothing I can take for it. So anyway, that, that's a, I'm sidetracked here. Uh, but I get every day the course conditions at Columbia. And in recent days, in the last month or so, about half the time, under the heading of frost delay, they'll say, yes, you get the same thing, right, Michael? Uh, I, I opted out of most of those emails. But oh. yes, frost delay, course opens at 10. Yeah, frost delay, and it, it'd say yes. I had never seen any frost. You, you need to understand, a golf course is a wide open area with, you know, there's not a lot of buildings on, on a golf course. So if there is frost, it will settle in. Yeah, you get dips and hollows, places it, that are seen a lot of sun. In. It is more likely to have frost than your house. A golf course is. Okay. Today was the first day that I saw frost on my car. Yeah. Today was cold. I took out the Lillehammer jacket, which I never take out unless it's in the 20s and usually the low 20s. It was not in the low 20s. It was about 26 when I went out at about 6.30. But I took the heavy coat today. Did you did you sense anything different? This was this was a cold this is a cold morning. Now it's still there's no wind in Washington, DC. Yes. So it's not overwhelming it's you. It's still cold but pleasant. This was the first morning, yeah. I'm sure Nigel had this, where I had to use the the de-icer to get the yeah. car going. Yeah. Uh, so I completely emptied out the window washer fluid just to try and avoid <laughs> having to wait a few minutes for yeah. the car to heat up. Yeah. So th- today was cold day. Yes. Um, and but not windy there's whatever the temperature is that's the wind chill as well you can live right, with that it's bearable yes yeah it's it's the wind if you get 33 and 20 mile an hour wind you don't want to go out with the dog <laughs> not at you, all the dog doesn't want to go out i think your listeners point. would beg for our conditions it's probably going to top out at like 55 today it'll be nice sunny. yeah yeah, yeah no, it would it be nice just, nice it's just they were the, have for a week just but the it, overnight i did not see this this morning but it, it always makes me smile the first time one of my neighbors on my street is out there and there's frost on the window and, and they're scraping with a, with a credit card because they, they, oh, they don't have a they haven't thought ahead they're like oh <laughs> you're like oh yeah. why don't you borrow this for five seconds yeah, get the hot water heater break <laughs> so, some windows yeah <laughs> so there was it. a there was a, a state dinner last night there hasn't been a state dinner in a long time this is the first state dinner that joe biden has had and it was for uh macron who is the president is the president of france president of france president. That's, that's the title? Yes. It's not the emperor, I wouldn't think. No, that think. was Napoleon, I guess. Yeah, it's a long time. They, they, they shy away from that now, <laughs> you know, ever since old Nappy. Um, so what I like to do, I've been to a state dinner in my life, uh, and it's a great honor, and it's a great thrill. 
And although I don't remember it well, I have pictures that verify that I've been to a state dinner. And that was with uh, George Bush, the elder. Uh, and it was great fun. And I, I, it's not one of those deals where you say, oh, I want to go back again. No, no. You had one. Right. One's enough. So this one, I always go to the guest list. The Washington Post, God bless Washington. But you're looking at me oddly. Oh, well, I was going to ask you a question. Do you remember who you sat next to? Was I, it some dignitary? Like a, I remember a, who I sat across from. Who was that? That was um, the wife of, the, of Mr. Kohler, who had done all of the toilet seats in America. Oh. Carol, do you remember her first name? Oh, I want to say Natalie. But it's not Latley, because that sounds like Natalie Cole. I'm blanking on her first was name. Was there dancing? I'm just imagining. Yes, there was dancing. The American president. Yeah, there was dancing afterwards, yeah. So I sat, and we had this conversation, she and I. And then I wrote a column. I wrote one of my best columns ever in the style section, saying I sat next to her at a state dinner, and I tried to hit her up for a toilet seat. <laughs> and within 72 hours of that column running... A toilet seat from Kohler, Wisconsin, with a note, came to my house. That is a true story. <laughs> it's so pre-internet. Yeah. That's pretty fast delivery. Yeah, that's, that's, that's who I sat across from. And there were other people there who I remember. But it was a, it was a dinner in honor of the South Korean president. It was after the Korean Olympics in 1988. Okay. And I was very, very fortunate to be invited to that. So that's, yeah, that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. But they always print a guest list. And I always look at the guest list because you want to know who's hot and who's not. I'm not. <laughs> so on this guest list for the dinner last night, a lot of people are on it. Stephen Colbert okay. and his wife. Stephen Colbert. So he must be because Fallon's not on there and Kimmel's not on there. And you get enough time. You get a week, a week and a half. You can arrange your schedule. So I'm going to assume that Biden's fave is Colbert. Maybe he's been on that show a lot. Jennifer Garner oh, and her daughter, Violet Affleck. No Ben Affleck, no, who's he's... with another Jennifer at the moment. <laughs> she is. But proud Jennifer, de- proud Jennifer Denison Garner. grad. You know her, right? I, I do. Well, yes, I do know her. Uh, she actually recognized me when we went to the, um, the press dinner, the White House press correspondence So dinner. she yes. could have, knowing you live here, <laughs> she could have called you and said, I'm stuck for a plus one. <laughs> you Would you to... like to go to a dinner for Macron? I'll have to check she my didn't voice. do that. She yeah. brought her daughter. <laughs> Jeffrey Katzenberg and Marilyn Katzenberg. I haven't heard of Jeffrey Katzenberg in a long time. Famous Hollywood film producer. Yes. I didn't think that he was current, but maybe. Well, I'm not current. John Legend and Christy Teigen. Mm-hmm. I've met John Legend. John Legend is a PTI watcher. Yeah. That's great. He is. He came up to me in Wilbon. No, he is a PTI watcher. Julia Louis-Dreyfus and Charlie Hall. Now, I think that's her son. I think her, her husband's Brad Hall, right? Brad. Yeah, I think it is. Yeah, this is right. Brad, Brad Hall. Hall yes. who was a performer on Saturday Night Live. Is this yes. the basketball player? I think this is Charlie Hall, the Northwestern University basketball player. And Julia Louis-Dreyfus grew up around here. Didn't yes. she go to Stone Ridge or something like that? Yeah. Sidwell. She went to Sidwell? Okay. So I, I believe Mom's that's her son. Moms.com, who may have, been, may have been one of the taller people at, at this affair. Susan Rice and Ian Cameron... And they get Secret Service all the time. Robin Roberts was there. My friend Robin Roberts was there. Anna Wintour with oh. Boz Luhrmann. Now, Boz Luhrmann, is he not a famous film director? Yes. And Anna Wintour is the voice of fashion for 40 years. Yeah. Like, is she the most important Vogue person of all time? They were there. Jeffrey Zients, in, in case Michael felt he didn't know somebody. Jeff Zients and his wife Mary Zients. Say out of the kids. There. Yeah. So, yeah. 
So I go over that list all the time because it's it's it is a great honor. We went there were three hundred people at this one. We went to one there was a hundred and fifty people at it. It's got to be fantastic. It is. Do you remember a, what they served? Because the the menu for this I one have became a menu. bit problematic. I have the menu. Um, I have in a framed circumstance. I have the invitation to it. I believe I have the menu. It's upstairs. I don't remember what they serve, but the food is good. Like nobody leaves the White House saying, boy, that food stunk. Now, Trump didn't have many of these dinners, but when Trump had dinners, he had fast food. Yeah. He had fast food. He had Popeyes. Who wants a fish filet? Yeah. (laughs) Bring me back. He was standing up there tossing them. Yeah. it's, It's a sort of, I guess that's okay. It's in the same way that at the Masters dinner, the champion's dinner, the current champion can say whatever it is he wants. Right. So that's okay. So I'm not, I'm not, I am making fun of Trump, but I don't at all believe that he doesn't have the right to do that. And if that's what he likes, you know, throw some burgers out there for people. That's perfectly good. Um, and there haven't, hasn't been one in a while because of COVID, I guess. Yeah. I don't know when the last one was. Maybe Biden will have more, but Biden's been in there for a while and this is the first one that he's had. It's the White House Correspondents Dinner is great fun, and I'm glad to have gone to three or four of those. Everyone in this room with me now has been to a White House Correspondents Dinner, and that's a great perk. But a White House, a White House dinner, that's a little different. That's a whole different level. Yeah, that was really good. Anytime you're invited to the White House, you you, you go. You make sure you go. You don't say, eh, I'm pretty busy. Can you do it on Tuesday? Yeah, I'm pretty busy. You know, I, I got the dog. It's my night. You know, no, no. I'd be go. traffic getting downtown. Do you think you'd push it back just a little bit? <laughs> right. yeah. I think you got to go. Jacqueline Smith was at that one. Jacqueline Smith? Jacqueline Smith was at the one we went to. Jacqueline Smith was there. And um, Kathy Lee Gifford was there. Oh. And Kathy Lee Gifford, as and I remember this, and I know I remember correctly, Kathy Lee Gifford, was she at our table, Kathy Lee Gifford? I don't know. But in the milling around beforehand, I got to meet Kathy Lee Gifford because I was a sports writer, you know, and I knew Frank Gifford and all of that. And Kathy Lee Gifford was very pleasant. And she organized one of those things where the girls go to the ladies' room. She did that a couple of times, brought all the girls to the ladies' room. Um, Who was the Charlie's Angels? What was her name? Jacqueline Smith. Jacqueline Smith, yes. Gorgeous. Oh, I'm sure. Uh, gorgeous. Yeah. Like every bit as gorgeous in person as you want her to be. There's no question about that. I don't know. You know God only knows who makes these guest lists. Can you speak into a microphone? That's why we have microphones here. Um, we were in the dish room, and Jacqueline Smith was there, probably with her bodyguard. You introduced me as your sister. Yeah, because I thought I had a shot at her. <laughs> I thought I had a chance. I was a limited group. It was only 150 people. Right, yeah. I had some hair then. You know, not much. So, yeah, it was, it was wonderful. Um, we should talk. We're not going to get to talk about this until it's over. The United States, I don't think we talked about it the last time. The United States is still in the World Cup. Yes. They're one of 16 teams still in the World Cup, and some of the 16 are surprising. They are not surprising technically because they were the 16th rated team going in. So you figured they would make it. But I think Germany going out and Belgium going out, I'm told this by Matt Kelleher, who follows soccer because his son Dean is a goalie at Columbia University. So Matt says that that was, I don't know if it was shocking, but they are normally in, they could have won Germany and 
Belgium. Who else is out? Morocco is in. Mexico is out. Mexico's they are often out. in. Yeah. Almost. They are regularly in. Morocco is in. Japan is apparently the darling of yeah, the World Cup. That's the big I don't surprise. know anything about this. That's why Chuck Culpepper is on. But I know that we play Holland. Right. right. The Netherlands. We play the Netherlands. I'm assuming we should lose that game. Because the Netherlands have been playing this soccer for a long time. They have that famous team Ajax, right? Isn't that a Dutch team? Have the Dutch sure. the Dutch have gotten to the finals of this? I don't know if they've ever won. Now they're a small country. And at any time, if we were smart, we were over, we would overwhelm their canal system and have their players called back home to help out. We should do that. We should manipulate the water in Holland. But I assume we're going to lose. Michael, do you make that same assumption? I, I don't, just because of the way that this team has played. and We're playing great defense. We don't look, allow goals. You have to question, what will it do to free them up now that they've gotten through that stage? And you look at a team that's playing with house money, and you look at the way they were rallying behind Pulisic and what he sort of put on the line to get there. And the story He's going to play goalie. tomorrow, right? He has to play. Yeah, oh, yeah I mean, he, come on. He's declarative. He said, yeah, I will yeah, yeah, I I'll mean, be out there. you know, stop. It's a World Cup, yeah. Yeah, you're going to play. But the last couple of days, I don't know about you, you find yourself when they have the, the two games going on at the same time and they're showing you the live standings with goal differentials and you're trying to see, I can't this team's going out. to lose, but if they just get one goal, they're going to com- upset entire nations. The biggest headline in the World Cup, to the, now, and everybody knows I'm not a soccer person, so I, I'm not going to attempt to be brilliant, but the biggest headline in the World Cup of anything over the last two weeks has been when Argentina lost to Saudi Arabia. Mm-hmm. That was stunning by all measure. And people said, whoa, they won't make it. But they do make it because they're Argentina and they go out and they win two games. Yeah. And they're probably on top of their group. They indeed are, yes. Right? It's Argentina, then Poland, See, then Mexico. See, Wilbon hates Messi. Wilbon believes Messi is the most overrated guy of all time because Wilbon says, hey, you got to win a World Cup. You know, don't tell me you're the greatest player ever. If you had three or four shots at a World Cup, you didn't win. Pelé won when he was 17 years old. This is Wilbon's logic. And by the way, I don't, I don't find any flaws in this particular logic. But he doesn't like the fact that Messi never won a World Cup. And if I say to him, well, Cristiano Ronaldo never won a World Cup, he goes, well, it's a small country. Portugal is a yes. small country relative to Argentina. Yeah. But that, if that's your fallback, I mean, that, you know, to me, I don't know. I don't know if it's right. I don't know that Messi has to carry his team to the World Cup win. But Wilbon believes he should. What do you think? But I don't know enough about where the tournaments sort of uh, occur within the arc of your career to make, you know, more of a an opinion on that. But you look at the way Argentina played and you think about how aggressive they were in the other, in the other team's zone. And you just realize why America might have a chance in this. I mean, eventually after that first half, they were able to score goals in bunches. Yeah. But if you looked at the power of a hot goalie and even when the other team is, is, you know, shooting relentlessly, you can stay in these games and one goal can turn it. Do you think our goalie is a hot goalie? Uh, I he's love, great, at, I the, love great this, at the thing when he, he jumps. push up, and he, he communicates so well. He, I mean, he's always talking to refs. Yeah. Uh, he's, again, it comes, I was watching that Poland game, and you, the, these goalies are just larger-than-life presences, and, and the entire team will rally behind him. I would never play goalie. It's a big goal. It's, it's really, a little space to cover. Yeah, and those, it's coming in at 70 miles, 80 I don't know how fast it's coming in, but it's coming in pretty fast. It's coming in hot, and it moves. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's not straight. It moves. These people can, yeah, what is it called? Bend it like Beckham? Yeah, can little English on it. The PK yeah. seem to get closer as the game, as the game progresses. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But By now, the way, there is we've a- only allowed, all we allowed was a penalty. We did not allow a legitimate regular time goal yeah. in three games. That's pretty good. Sure, but to your point about shooting, you look at the way Argentina plays and the control they have over the ball and offense, and you go, why can't we have some of that? Yeah. They get good looks every time. Yeah. Yes. I so do, I guess I, the favorite is Brazil and France are the favorites? France. Yes. Right? Yes. I do want to point out there is a match today that I think people were very keen to watch. What's that? Uh, it's Uruguay versus Binghamton. So <laughs> Binghamton. Binghamton needs this win to get in. In order to get to the next group. We will take a break. We will come back with Jason. Lund- oh, oh you, why don't you do the thing with Adam? Yes, Adam. Adam Adam's uh, playing around Adam here. Adam Ferrar, yes. He's uh, going to be at Magoobies uh, this weekend. We've talked about Magoobies before. Yes, I've actually. We, we've pl- talked that it's a stupid name, but it's memorable. <laughs> Great name. It's, it's memorable. So <laughs> you can't go. forget it. McGoobies. Adam left this message for us. Oh, hold on. I've got to actually do that. There we go. Hello, Nigel. Uh, please give Tony and Michael my best. I will be at McGoobie's Joke House Friday and Saturday. Uh, it's in Timonium. I would love to come down and see him, but it's like three hours on an e-bike. I was listening to the show, <laughs> and Tony talk. was thinking about riding an e-bike, but he didn't have a helmet. Get him a helmet and maybe a set of crutches. <laughs> I'm just saying... Luck is not his companion, and gambling is not his game. The last bike Tony was riding had a big wheel in front of it. He was riding down Hempstead Turnpike, screaming out, Lucky Lindy made it! All right, if you're around this weekend, come to Magoobies. I'll be there Friday and Saturday. I'll make you laugh, and you can wear the Indochino suit. And if Michael wants to come, he can just wear the jacket. I understand there was an issue with the pants. All right, be well. Long live Butcher Box. I gotta go. He listens. He listens. It's so wonderful. We'll take a break. Jason Lock and Fora, when we return, I'm Tony Kornheiser. Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. Maddie Clark. She's terrific. This is submitted by her father, Andy Clark, who writes, One of the many lessons Maddie absorbed from Taylor Swift is that bad relationships make good songs. And the worse the breakup, it seems, the better the song. If so, this one should be a doozy. As a parent, I can vividly recall a painful breakup that inspired this song. It was not a happy time, but on the bright side, it produced Halfway Gone, Maddie's latest single in a drawer full of others. Thanks for playing it and for continuing to support independent musicians. She's awfully good. <laughs> she really She's is. awfully good. Yeah. She plays in Jason Lock and Fora. Let's start with the obvious question here, which is do we do we have a takeaway from last night's game, the fact that Buffalo went to New England in not the greatest weather conditions yeah. and was down seven nothing and won convincingly. Do we have a takeaway from that? Well look, I think New England is the, the least team in that division. Yeah. Um it's indicative in record, and I think if when you've looked at them 
sort of in a, in a big spot. Uh, uh, and I guess some would say, well, wait a minute, they swept the Jets. And I would say, well, uh, okay, and I guess those were biggish spots, but it was still Zach Wilson, and it wasn't, it wasn't a, a team that was going to put a lot of stress on their defense. And when they have faced teams that can do that, it hasn't gone very well. Um, you know, the Mac Jones thing, it's, it's, it's sort of spiraled. Um, the Matt Patricia rehire in that role never made a lot of sense and was always a little too cute by half. Um, and Buffalo, like, they, they it's, it's not super sexy right now. It's kind of workmanlike, and, and it's, it's just kind of, um, it's changed, right? I mean, that, they, they're, they're in a running team right now. They, they're got some offensive line issues. The defense is leakier than it was uh, early in the season when everybody was healthy, and and they've just sort of embraced the idea that like we just got to do what we got to do to try to win these football games, no matter what it looks like. Obviously, the quarterback has been banged up, and yeah. he's dealing with some elbow stuff. And you know, if teams want to sit back and and play, you know, a, a too deep shell, then then they'll dink and dunk, and they'll hand it off, and they'll you know they'll win that way. They they still have some red zone things that they want to clean up. I thought they left points on the board again, um, but it was a it was a decisive victory, and New England I agree never looked like they could really move the ball on these yeah. guys outside of a screen pass that went you know for a house call. So, um, I, I don't think New England has a whole lot really to its offense right now. And I think it's defense. The numbers have been propped up by this run they had against some really ineffective offenses. I agree completely. They're just paddling along. I mean, in in the past, there is an amazing statistic that I will quote because I learned about it yesterday. It's simply amazing. When Tom Brady played for New England, he was 34-4 and against Buffalo. 34-4, and 17-0 in Foxborough. Tom Brady's not there. That's an incredible loss. They are paddling along. They're not a particularly good team. I don't know what it says about Buffalo because Buffalo recently beat Cleveland, a 4-7 and team by 8, and beat Detroit, a 4-7 and team by 3. I had Buffalo in the Super Bowl after the first five weeks. I'm yeah. not sure anymore. But New England is nothing. They're nothing, right? No, they're they're they're. I think paddling along is a, is a really you know apt way to put it. Um, they're they're sort of meandering, and and they're 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 good enough, and they're well coached enough that they're not going to um, lay an egg uh, against similar teams or inferior teams. They're just not nearly talented enough, and not nearly well coached enough on on offense to hang with the big boys. Agree, totally agree. Let's move on. Deshaun Watson's going to play this weekend. Um, he's ducking every question that comes yeah. at him and, and justifiably 95%, I'd say 100% of the questions ought yeah. to be ducked by him because they should be the same question uh, out there. He was a very, very good quarterback. He hasn't played in two years. He hasn't played in two years. Yeah. What are you expecting? I don't have any expectations. Um... I really don't. I, I don't think he's going to play at the level Jacoby Brissett was playing at. I don't think he's going to play there right away, and he might not get there this season. Um, you know, I, I don't. There isn't a really a comp for this. I can't remember a situation that is quite like this in, in terms of the, you know the depth of his behavior, the sort of lack of 
you know, any outward acknowledgement or real contrition. Um, you know, the, the, a layoff of this magnitude, um, making a debut for a new team, being, you know, rewarded with that sort of industry redefining contract and then have, you know, coming in in week 13. And again, Jacoby Brissett played at a really high level. Jacoby Brissett for me was, you know, one of the top 10, 12 quarterbacks in this league this season based on performance alone. Take out what you think he is or what you thought he was and this or that. It was, it's a high, it had been a highly functioning offense. And I don't know about Ross' mental and physical with this guy. I don't know how he's going to respond to, you know, people now going out of their way to go to a football game they otherwise would have ignored just to sort of release their, their, their scorn on this guy. I, I, don't, I don't know what that brings out in him. I don't know what it brings out in the Browns. You know, everything from the, their potential stay at the team hotel to their bus to the stadium – to their pregame warm-up, is certainly going to have a different sort of tenor now. Yes. And even yes. at home, even at home, it's going to be different. So, I don't know, man. Um, you know, the offense wasn't the problem. The reason their, you know, their record isn't, you know, 7-4 and four or whatever instead of 4-7 and seven, is that the defense has been broken. I mean, the Texans are completely terrible. So, they'll win this game. I think they'll win this game relatively handily. Right. Even if all Deshaun Watson has to do is hand the ball off. Um, do I think they're going to get their money's worth from this transaction? Uh, I don't. Um, I don't think they're going to get it in terms of, of truly elite quarterback performance, especially for what they're paying him versus what they paid Jacoby Brissett, especially when you factor in the draft um, hall. Okay. I'm not sure that it's ever going to be worth that. And, um, you know, will he be a, a really good quarterback over time? Perhaps. Um, but I don't. You know, I'm I'm not going to sit here and you know pretend that I can project what he's you That's know what fair. his performance is going to look like this weekend. Um, I I have no idea. That's fair. What happens to Zach Wilson? I I, I mm. here's what I think people have to understand: the Jets for the first six, seven, eight weeks of the season, much like the Giants, were very surprising. These are teams. Both of these teams last year were. Five and twelve, I think. Yeah. I think they were both five and twelve, and they were. Then they started winning games. Zach Wilson had his body out on the field when they were winning games, and then he had this terrible game, and then he got benched by his coach, who's a defensive guy, not an yeah. offensive guy. He benched him. He's a second overall pick just two years ago, and when I watch television, most people seem to say he's done. Do you think that? Um. Probably, yeah. I think wow. he'll be traded. Um, like, you know, he's got people around him. He's got family. He's got representation. Like, do they think this is the best place for him? You know what I mean? Like, like there's everybody's kind of looked at it from the Jets' perspective, which I get. And, and certainly, look, Mike White's not going to do this week what he did last no, week. No, he's not. He's not film on the Bears him every week. You know, yeah, yeah. that's not how it works. So. Like, there'll be some dips, and I don't know that Mike White's the answer, but I also don't know that ultimately, you know, when we get through these next six weeks, and and maybe there's a playoff game tacked on, maybe there's not. Regardless, I don't, I think when we get to, you know, late January, I'm not sure that that's where he thinks the best spot for him. 
You know, like, wait a minute, that's how that's how short my leash was. And yeah. you know, wait a minute, we had no offensive line. The running, you know, the the running the 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 bell cow running back we drafted got hurt. Um, you know, that's that's all the leeway I got. Um, it's not like I've got uh, a, a top flight coordinator or somebody you know who people are dying to have call plays for them. It's not like I had great protection, and it's not like I got a very long leash. Um, so I don't I don't think they can kiss and make all that up in the off season, and I don't know that either side is necessarily going to be all that inclined to. I also don't know what his trade value is going to be, how much you really end up getting for him. Uh, but I don't, you know, I think this is also a little bit about more than football. There was the whole locker room element to this, and you know, it's not just what you what you do, but sometimes it's what you say, what you don't say, how you carry yourself, and how the locker room responds to the other guy. So, yeah, I don't think he's back there next year. Yeah, well, the locker room response, you, you, you look no further than Washington, D.C. Yes. And they love Taylor Heineke, even if Taylor Heineke's not as good on any level as Carson Wentz when Carson Wentz is good. They love Taylor Heineke, yeah. and they couldn't care less about this other guy. He can go out fishing for all they <laughs> yeah. care. Yeah, yeah. And it's obvious, and that's important. It's a yeah. team game. This is not bowling. This is a no. team game. It's important. Let me get to one other thing. Aaron Rodgers, my favorite passive-aggressive person in the world, has now said, yeah, sure, (laughs) I won't be upset, I'll understand, no resentment. If we're mathematically eliminated and the Packers want to see what Jordan loves God, I'm good with that. Um, We asked Steve Young about that yesterday on PTI, and Steve Young said he's not going to be there next year. If he's in this position, he's not going to be there next year. I thought he shouldn't have been there last year. So right. what do you think of this? Well, I, look, I, I don't, I don't know who's trading for him. I mean, I, I just don't. Um, you know, it's a. I don't think he's going. He got everything he wanted in these two, you know, sort of uh, hijack situations yes, where he, he did. put, he put, you know, the proverbial gun to their head, and you got to give me everything I want, and then I'll think about coming back. And he did it twice, and and they went down that rabbit hole with him twice, and so now he's in a situation where. This time around, he's he's got all the cards. If he doesn't want to be traded, he won't be traded. He's not going to give back $50 million to get out of that contract, I don't believe. Um, and he's got you know full guarantees for this year, and he can extend it another year beyond that if he wants. Um, I mean, will he just retire? I, I mean, I, I maybe, maybe. Mm, I doubt it, no, though, because so. of the financial component to yeah, it. Yeah, I don't think so. So, and who's trading for that? I, I mean, he hasn't performed at an even functioning level. And if you go back to the playoffs the last few years, he's clearly been a guy who's hit the wall. He's 40 years old. I, I, and, and now he comes with a lot of baggage. Like, what team? I, I just don't. I, I don't see it. They have to play Jordan Love. I wrote the Washington Post weeks ago talking to That's executives right. who said they're going to have to play this guy just to figure out whether to pick up the fifth-year option and or to showcase him in trade. Like, the idea that he would have to sit for a third year behind this, you know, what has been a pathetic offense run by a quarterback who don't seem to be all that up for it would have just been even more malpractice than everything they did to create this monster in the first place. But I don't see an easy solution. But I they do need to play this kid. There's no reason not to at this point. Um, it would just be a certain irony in there if now he does look the part. <laughs> but, 
it might be a gift they have to give to somebody else because they're yeah. stuck trying to win right now with this guy, and they've already used the Devontae Adams picks. You know what I mean? Like, that's already baked into this cake, and this cake ain't good enough to, to, to maybe even finish second in that god-awful division, let alone make the playoffs and beat somebody good in the playoffs and then beat three straight good teams in the playoffs. Like, they need all, they need all the help in the world to get to that point. I, I just I, I think they are really screwed. I'm not going to say anything after that. That's a great soliloquy. I'm not stepping on that. Thank you, Jason. You got it, guys. Have a great weekend. Thank you. Jason Lockenfor. Oh, I didn't tell him to plug his radio show. What? Baby. Jason, you still there? Oh, yeah. yeah but, yep. Plug your radio show. Come on now. Oh, plug your radio show. Thank you very show. much. Yeah. Uh, you can listen to more of this rants and ramblings. Uh, from 2 to 6 Eastern Time every weekday on 105.7 The Fan in Baltimore. You could stream us at www.1057thefan or listen on the Odyssey app. Thank you very much. Jason Locken for our boys and girls. We'll take a break. We will be back allegedly with Carville. We don't really think so. And yeah. Jeff Ma. We'll get Jeff Ma. We, Carville sends his picks in now and, and leaves sort of unintelligible messages for Nigel <laughs> that need to be translated by T-Boy Latchley, who is somewhere, you know, down somewhere in the, the bayou. swamp. Yes. You know, I'm Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. The Tony Kornheiser Show. Have I got a story for you. Now I was only five years old, excited and awake on the night before Christmas. My most favorite of all days When low I heard a noise downstairs So I crept out to catch a glimpse And there I found my mother dear With Santa <gasps> locking lips Ho, ho It's me. Oh, I think my dad is Santa Claus. <laughs> Tim Wild Smith. I think my dad is Santa Claus. He said, I wrote this song over a decade ago and just this year decided to record it. It's inspired by a true story from my childhood, and I hope it becomes a new holiday favorite for you and your listeners. Tim Wildsmith in Nashville, Tennessee. Michael, if people want to send their original music, how do they do it? Sure, you can send your music to jingles at com. Is it appropriate to play this song for my five-year-old? Uh, <laughs> it just reminds me of the, the Hardwick holiday card that almost was. Three yeah. daughters, ho, ho, ho. Right, pictures of them. And they said, wait, hold it, you can't do that. I'm always, I think that's great. All right, uh, Jeff Ma is waiting in the wings. Uh, James Carville, we can't get him physically, but he sent in his picks. Yes. His picks are, for those of you who want to play... Because Carville's record, Carville was nine and three last week. Of course, he had a five play. Had the five play. He had a five play. Now, if he had lost that, you know, okay, he's going to lose five, but he won it, um, and that was Tulane, right? Uh, no, yeah, Kansas no, State. Kansas State. It was Kansas yes. State over Kansas? Yes. And it was a ten-point spread, and they won by twenty. So Carville now is thirty-four, twenty-three, and two. He's picking Utah plus three over Southern California. That's the Pac-10 championship. Utah plus three. 
TCU, he's picking minus two and a half versus Kansas State. UCF, Central Florida against Tulane, he's picking the over for a three bet. Yeah. 57 is the number. Yes. He believes Central Florida and Tulane will dominate that number, and that, he's doing it a three bet. That was what he identified as the blue plate special. Okay. Yes. Okay. In the pros, he's picking Houston over Cleveland. Houston, a team that's terrible. Cleveland with Deshaun Watson. Cleveland favored by seven. He's taking Houston. He's taking Cincinnati and two points against Kansas City at home. Cincinnati plays Kansas City in a game everybody wants to see. Kansas City is minus two, so Cincy gets two. And he's taking San Francisco to cover at home over Miami. Miami is getting four points. And it's odd to me. I'll ask Jeff Ma about this if he's not picking this game. In fact, we'll bring in Jeff. Let's bring in Jeff. Jeff, can you hear me? I can hear you, Tony. This is the this is the one game where the line really jumped out at me. Miami is plus four at San Francisco. Miami has a better record than San Francisco, though San Francisco lately is a really, really good team. But Miami's quarterback, Tua Tungavailoa, when he starts and finishes a game, that team's eight and O. He's they're eight and O. Does this does this number, the plus four there, surprise you at all? I mean, you touched on it earlier this week. I heard you talking a little bit about just the odd makers and the lines, and the lines not really making sense to you. And last week it was, you know, Cincinnati and some other games like that that just didn't make sense to you. Um, certainly uh, in Minnesota is another example of a team that's had a record and their sort of underlying statistics are not nearly as good as their record would indicate. Um, in the case of Miami, I don't think that's necessarily the case. I think, I think people really like this San Francisco team. Um, they like the idea that they're getting healthier and their defense is yeah. so strong. They like all the toys that Shanahan has. Um, they, you know, like we've talked about it, they're one of the couple favorites now in the NFC and one of the top favorites now to win the Super Bowl. So I think you're just seeing the sort of market love of San Francisco and, and sort of where, you know, they, they figure here at home, Miami traveling cross country, which is still a big deal yeah. um, in, in many cases. And, you know, that's the, the longest travel in, in the uh, contiguous United States, right, really, for for, uh, for any two teams. And so you're seeing that in the number here. And I actually like Miami plus the four in this game. That's going to be one of my picks. Um, so I agree that the line is a little bit too high. But, you know, I, it doesn't stand out to me as, as not making sense, I guess. Can we talk about betting on the World Cup with you know you needing the knowledge I know nothing about soccer <laughs> but uh, was is there was there has there been a lot of betting on the United States can you bet just to get to the knockout round do you have to bet win the whole thing how does that work Yeah there's tons of ways I mean you think about this right soccer is a one you know this is the time of the year every four years where most Americans delude themselves or trick themselves into believing they think soccer is entertaining. Yes. They believe they yes. try to pretend that like a game that to your point, you just sit there and go, why aren't they shooting more? It's something that we all, should all wake up at 5 a.m. to watch. Um, but yeah, there was a lot of, uh, there was a lot of betting on the U.S. Um, because there was so much betting on the U.S. in that game against Iran, there was a lot of really, really good value actually on Iran. And I couldn't do it because I'm not un-American, but our friend Rufus is so un-American that he actually bet on significant amounts of money on Iran and lost. Um, they, the U.S. was, you could bet on them to win 
or to to advance from their group, and they were minus money to do that, which means they were actually favored to do that. So the point you made earlier yeah. this week that this was not something that should be celebrated. Now, the reason I think it ended up should be celebrating um, one is because of the country. Again, we're, we're sort of terrible at soccer. It's just funny to think about us, you know, celebrating wins against countries with you know three million people um, and feeling like that's such a big deal. But the reason that that game against Iran was such a big deal and, and so important for us was because of what happened in the Wales game. Right? In the Wales game, we were in position to win that, and if we if we had, we would have been in, in very good position to advance. But because we didn't win that and because of the situation we placed ourselves against Iran, um, winning that game was the only way we'd advance. And so, yeah, so I think in the end, winning any soccer game for any team, even some of these, you know, big teams like, you know, like Argentina or Spain or any of these these games, winning the game versus tying or losing is, is always barely a favorite. I, yeah, like there are so many games decided by one goal or tie games. Do you have to give half a goal? Do you have to give a goal when you bet? I mean, is there a line like that in soccer? Yeah, so- soccer betting, even for someone like myself, is, is pretty complicated because I don't bet it. You know, again, literally every four years I pretend that I love soccer. But um, this, the, the idea that there's, there's three-way betting, meaning you can bet on one, especially, in, again, in the, in the early rounds where there is no overtime, you can bet on one team, the other team, or the tie. So there's a three-way market. Okay. And then there are, like, goal markets, half-goal markets. Now, with the knockout round happening, you can actually bet on which team you think will advance. And that's sort of, like, the simpler way to do it because it covers regulation, you know, extra time, and then uh, the shootouts if it happens. Oh, okay. So it's just odd to me. I mean, well, yeah, it is odd to me. I would, well, I'm getting off it. All right. Uh, Jeff was three and two last week, thirty-one twenty-three and one at the moment. One of his plays is obviously Miami plus four at San Francisco. What are the other plays? I'm going to take Minnesota minus the three over the Jets. Um, I've talked about this in the past. I think there are times that teams get so people think teams are so overrated that they become underrated, and that's a little bit of what's happening about this Minnesota team. They're, they're definitely a better-than-average team. They're probably not the second-best team in the NFC. Um, they're playing against the Jets team that, that people have kind of fallen for now that you know Mike White's out there and they have no more um, Zach Wilson. So um, I, I do think at home, Minnesota only giving three points um, is, is value here, so I'll take them. Uh, that's a stunner that it's only three. Mike White is not going to replicate what he did before. That is not going to happen. But I think I'm right about this, Jeff. Minnesota has, I think, a minus differential, which would be amazing, you know, at this point in the season for an eight and three team to have a minus differential, right? Yeah, it's pretty. I know it was minus going into the New England game, and they won the New England game by what a touchdown or something like that. And um, you know, the so I'm not sure what it is, but yeah, it's pretty close to even. And yeah. the reality is, like, they are about above a slightly above average team. Their defense is terrible, right? Like, think about how how good Mac Jones looked against their defense, and how poor he looked last night, and how yes. poor he's generally looked the whole season. Yeah, uh, Nigel reminds me it's plus, they're plus five now. Yeah, but a team yeah. a team with that kind of record being only plus five is ridiculous. Uh, what else you got? I'm gonna take Atlanta um, even over Pittsburgh. Uh, Pittsburgh played well last week against Indy. You know, one on the road. 
Um, people kind of think they're on the up and up. Um, Pickett seems like an upgrade at quarterback. Uh, but Atlanta at home, only needing to win the game. I'm going to take them here. Okay. What else? Uh, I'm going to take Las Vegas minus the one over the Chargers. Vegas is kind of a weird team. Similarly, <laughs> the Chargers are a weird team. These are two teams with a lot of talent. Um, one is probably very thought of very highly um, by by a lot of betters, and the other one is not. Um, but that's why I think you're getting some value here on Las Vegas um, needing to just win this game. Las Vegas has won two games in a row in overtime. In overtime, which is, you know, if you're betting on a team, you are going through the ringer on that, right? You're, I mean, that's killing you because in overtime, it's going to be either three or six. That's all it's going to be. Am I right on that? That's no seven. You score the touchdown, that's it, right? Yeah, they won both of those games as an underdog, so yeah. they didn't necessarily need to score, but they won them both as touch. You know, they won them both the touchdowns, walking off in pretty good fashion. And yeah, you know, I, I still am a believer in McDaniel, and maybe that's just like the stubborn Patriots fan in me. Yeah, but I think he'll get this thing turned around. Okay, they, they, they kind of have no choice. I don't know. They're paying like fifteen coaches right now, so they can't get rid of them. <laughs> that's, that's right. What else you got? I'm going to give you two college games. I'm okay. going to take UCF plus the three and a half over Tulane. Um, I was kind of hoping Carvel would take the other side and, and be loyal to his New Orleans roots. No, he's taking the over. He's just taking yeah, the I over. Yeah, I heard that. I heard that. But I, I, I think um, Tulane's had like a great season. But I think UCF, if you think about just from a talent standpoint, is is much more talented than them. And I think in the in the end, talent wins out here. Okay. And then I'm going to take Boise minus the three over Fresno. Um, I didn't have anyone in the bodega tell me about this bet, but I like bodega, but Boise minus the three. Um, they're, they, again, similarly more talent than Fresno, although Fresno does have uh, an NFL-caliber quarterback in Jake Hayner that, that was hurt some this year and came back. So if anyone has a chance to watch that game, they should definitely watch him. But Boise's gotten a bunch of their, their big guys back here, and I like them to win this game and, and win the conference championship. Do you know that when you talked about UCF, you probably know this, it was amazing to me to find this out about a year ago. The University of Central Florida is the largest university in the United States of America. The greatest student number is the University of Central Florida. I never, if you gave me 20 guesses, I would not have gotten that. Did you know that, that it had that many people? I, I, I actually I actually didn't know that. I think it was like neck and neck with them at ASU or something like that. It, it, it's a crazy, crazy thing. But, yeah, they've created this huge university in the middle of Florida. So, um, you know, they should have good athletics, right? Well, if you're going to have that many people, you know, the odds are you're going to have some good athletes. And if you're going to have that many people, you have money. And you have money, so you should do it. All right. Thank you, Jeff. You can hear Jeff and Rufus on Bet the Process. Anything else or are we good? Uh, we're good, I think. I mean, we have uh, we we talked this week a little bit about we have a, one of our good friends, Preston Johnson, the sports cheetah on, and we talked a little bit about a professional soccer team in in London that he bought and that Rufus and I are a part of. We're we're part owners of this really League two team. Yeah, yeah. During the off season, we can maybe talk a little bit more about this. It's kind of it was kind of a fun project. There there are three levels down from Premier League. And so if we can if we can get them turned around, we can get them up to Premier League, we can, you know, 1,000x our money and our investment. You don't even like soccer. And you bought a team? <laughs> I like the people involved, so I thought it would be a good way to sort of get into the idea of uh, sports ownership. Fantastic. Jeff Mob, boys and girls, we'll take a break. 
We'll come back with email and jingle. What? I should point this out. I may have read this incorrectly. I, I think Carvel wants UCF as well as the over. Oh, he does? Yes. Against, from, he's going against Tulane? Yes. You can see from the note he's underlined UCF. So I think that's, that's what I'm taking as the indication he wants them. We'll see. Yeah. Oh, so he's taking the over and UCF. Yes. I believe so. Okay. All right. It's crazy. We don't know what he's underlying things. These could be hostage notes. We don't know anything about his handwriting, for God's sakes. Email and jingle when we return. I'm Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. Here comes Tony's mailbag. Got your emails, faxes, and your notes. Here comes Tony's mailbag. Gonna read some for all of you folks. That's Tim Wildsmith who gave us, I think my dad is Santa Claus in a slightly different vein. Nigel, you want to do the Bethesda Bagel ad? Yes, Bethesda Bagels. We love them. You will as well. Just go to BethesdaBagels.com for the location in the D.C. area nearest you. Then pop on in and you'll be thrilled. That's it for us today. Before we get to the mailbag, let me just say, if you wake up and don't want to smile, if it takes you just a little while, open your eyes and look at the day. You'll see things in a different way. Don't stop thinking about tomorrow. Don't stop. It'll soon be here. It'll be better than before. Yesterday's gone. Yesterday's gone. That was written by Christine McVie, who passed away the other day at age 79. She was famously in um, with her husband at the time, Fleetwood Mac. That song became the rallying cry for the Clinton and Gore ticket. Yeah. Uh, and God, Fleetwood Mac was very big. <laughs> very, very big. Yeah. Very big. Um, thanks to our guest today, Jason Lockenfora, Jeff Ma. We have Carville's notes. <laughs> Didn't really appear, but we have his picks. Thanks to our sponsor, At least have Me the Und- underlining. Yeah, <laughs> yes, we do. yeah. Me Undies. Michael did a great read. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Odyssey. If you get show through Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review. I'm looking for some advice from you guys. We have a potluck tonight, a kindergarten potluck, not for the kids, but for the parents. This is our first. Uh, move into the social scene. We have to bring something. We're looking at an appetizer and a bottle of wine. Any advice? Uh, don't bring good wine. The price point you're thinking under twenty dollars. I would have said twenty to thirty dollars or yeah. something like that. Big bag of Albany's. But what are you cooking? Bass? So this is the this is the question. It's it's a it's shared potluck dishes. Right. Uh, I'm actually going to make a focaccia. But okay. I was told I can't bring a dipping oil because what? Liz says that that's the last thing a host would want is someone walking around the house with a plate of oh sure okay. a plate of oil. Yeah. Okay. Is that okay? What? Focaccia's okay. I, I guess. I mean, I'm, what does that say? To I don't you think about I've me? ever been to a potluck, and I think I I don't know that I was ever invited. Well, you to wouldn't it. stay long. No, I would get there early <laughs> and I would leave. But I mean, it rem- you know to long. me potluck is like Little House on the Prairie. Like meatballs like, on a stick. You, no, you bring you, you bring something very warm and homey and. Oh, you're talking about a hot dish. Yeah. Are you not mutton? supposed to do that? Mutton. That's a good. <laughs> mutton. Uh, you would stand way out. Everybody would talk about your mutton. Are you mutton. available from let's just say seven thirty to eight fifteen to pass some hors d'oeuvres? <laughs> no. In a kilt. Yes, of course, of course. From Mike McGinley in San Antonio, Texas, who says, I'm almost 81, and I easily remember these lyrics. It's howdy-doody time. It's howdy-doody time. Bob Smith then, howdy-do. Say howdy-do to you. Let's give a rousing cheer, because howdy-doody's here. It's time to start the show. So, kids, let's go. 
Howdy Doody, Buffalo Bob Smith, Clarabella Clown, Mr. Bluster, Flubadub, and Princess Summer for Winter Spring. None of whom you could put on television today. <laughs> None. Could not do it. From Rick Flo, I know the lyrics to the Dick Van Dyke show. Well, why didn't you send them? Yeah, you just What good are you, statement. Rick? Yeah, come From on, From Harry Howell in Cleveland, your recollections and discussion about television show theme songs on the Wednesday pod was quite enjoyable. The problem was that I could not get the Bonanza theme out of my head. <laughs> um, you get a rope and I'll get a gun. Bonanza. Even worse, it sent me down a rabbit hole of recalling other theme songs, otherwise long out of my memory, to name a few. The Beverly Hillbillies, Black Gold, Texas Tea. Yeah, Wilbon's got that. Yeah. The Adams Family, Snap Snap. Yeah, the Jeffersons moving up. Moving on up on to the east side, right? Yeah, yeah, that's And the one. Love Boat, exciting and new. Yeah, the Love I didn't like that theme. It was too gooey. Schmaltzy. Yeah, yeah, it was just too gooey. With all these tunes rumbling ar- around in my head, it's hard to concentrate on other things. So can we please new move on to a new game? I like this game. From Steve the Sycophant, how could you, dear Toby? You said Matt Dillon of Gunsmoke fame was a sheriff. In the name of Doc Adams, Miss Kitty, and Deputy Chester, get it right, Matt was a U.S. Marshal. Oh. Yes, Marshal Matt Dillon. Sheriff, indeed. Keep on potting. P.S. I remember Phil Harris. Besides his music and comedy skills, he was an excellent golfer. He played every year in the Pro-Am hosted by Bing Crosby at Pebble Beach, which was referred to as the Clam Bank. Oh. Always referred to as the Clam Bank. From Jeff Burhan in Madison, Wisconsin. Seen on Monday from the Streisand, Streisand Brolin compound. Babs, um, she says, Jim, get in here. He's talking about TV actors from the 50s. Dan Blocker, Jim. <laughs> Brolin, pause it. I'll be right there. <laughs> Babs, he's pointing where they're from and what their real names are. Roger Moore was on Maverick. Brolin, damn it, Barbara, pause it. I'm on my way. Uh, from Mason White in Sheboygan, Wisconsin. This is one of those bingo jet has its lights on moment. I'm listening to the mailbag from Black Friday and hearing Barbara Streisand singing Vikes by Two. And I realize I've always had that song wrong. I thought it was Bikes by Two, which of course makes no sense. <laughs> but I figured at some point Reginald had been riding a tandem bicycle with Joe Pisarchik or somebody, and I just missed the reference. So every week in my mind, I have a vision of a monkey riding a tandem bike, sometimes front, sometimes back, when instead he's just pouring over the lines like a degenerate. I'm not going to lie. I think I like my version better. Yeah. Please don't read my name on the air. The other little in my building gets jealous. <laughs> From Alex Lau, who's always good in New York City. Yes, we love Alex. Always good. Given the weird timing of the World Cup this year, maybe we will finally be able to get that World Cup-themed Hallmark movie we've been waiting for. <laughs> Small town girl begins dating soccer fanatic who tries to convince her that watching football is better than reading any of the novellas for sale at the local bookstore that she owns. When a real estate developer comes to town looking to demolish the woman's bookstore and five neighboring gazebos to build a stadium and pitch, the soccer fan must choose between the beautiful game and the beautiful woman. What will he do? Spoiler alert, he chooses to support the building of the stadium and pitch. Soccer fans, that's right, I called it soccer, are unbearable and weirdly choose to love a mediocre sport more than anyone or anything. Eat it, soccer fans. It's just a wonderful bifurcated email. They took some shots. From Joseph Buzzon <laughs> in uh, New Orleans. Today marks a historic day in my son's life and I wanted to share it with all of you and the littles in the world. Every weekday I drive my three-year-old son to daycare on my way to work and while doing so sneak in 10 to 15 minutes of the previous day's TK show before ultimately giving in to my son's chant for Disney songs. This morning when I was swapping between the TK show and the Disney songs I heard a small voice in the back seat saying that's the Tony Kornheiser show. That was Tony Kornheiser. A sense of extreme pride rolled over me <laughs> as I acknowledged that we were, in fact, listening to the Tony Kornheiser show. So it is with this email that I would like to officially welcome my son, Benicio, 
a.k.a. Nico, to the family of Littles. Welcome aboard. From Eric Wilson. Nico's ready for Pete the Cat. (laughs) Rock on, Mom and Dad. (laughs) From Eric Wilson in Centerville, Maryland. I I drove across the Bay Bridge four times yesterday. Tell DG. You know. And from Dan Margraff, who writes, The question about gummy bears versus gummy worms, it's all about the bite. I pop an Albany's gummy bear between the mandibles and my molars to find solid purchase on a manageable amount of gummy real estate. The gummy worm, however, is just some mutant chewy noodle. Do you want mutant (laughs) chewy noodles, Tony? I don't. By the way, another little has my permission to form a new age jazz ensemble called Mutant Chewy Noodle. Their sax player can go by the name of Bleeding Gummies Murphy. But it's all about the Tony bite. Uh, It's all about the bite, Tony. The bite. P.S. Have you tried the Albany Sour Gummy Bears as Aladdin croons to Jasmine, a whole new world? I didn't know they had sour gummy bears. Where's our boy? Where's our boy from the oh, gummy yeah, bears? Oh, yeah, gummy bear. Uh, yeah, he's got to come through for Jason? us Jason? Who's our boy? Was it Jason? I can't remember I off the top know, of my head. I don't know, but he's from, he's from that area. That's Indiana, right? I believe that is where he's from, yes. Give us the sour gummy bears. Yeah, don't, not worms. Yeah, yeah, not the worms. Not the worms. Some please send the worms. Yeah. Only the worms. You like the worms? No, I just want to force you to eat the worms. <laughs> you go to Safeway and get your own gummy bears. A mutant chewy noodle. No, people should send me stuff. <laughs> I'm Tony Kornheiser. If you're out on a bike tonight, do wear white. I'm going to solve. All right. No, you're not. Cornocuro cabinet. You're a moron. <laughs> moron.
gifts under their trees And we ate lots of milk and cookies The next morning I awoke with a fright Had it all just been a dream When I got downstairs, my dad was waiting with a grin and a wink. Ho, 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 he said to me, my secret's out, now can you keep it please? No, 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 said I to he, I've got to tell my friends or else they won't. Dad is Santa Claus. 